It's a budget special episode. Budget, boo-ay-ay, budget, boo-ay-ay. Yeah, and then it'll smash cut awkwardly to... A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the iceberg's only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, everyone their own depths rise, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, no. Hey everybody, welcome to episode three. Yes, we made it. Uh, I don't know why that's a milestone in my mind, but it is. Three episodes makes it real. Three episodes is important, especially when you consider our previous commitment to projects. Uh, yeah, this is about as far as any collaboration we've ever embarked on has ever gotten. <laughs> the fact that it got past the uh, planning stage is a minor miracle, the to be honest. it got past the beer stage is a minor miracle. Yes. Uh, so I would like to begin this week with uh, a small piece of errata, because at the end of the last episode, you'll recall, we were talking about Kanye West's uh, fierce meltdown, and I was saying with quite a lot of passion that you shouldn't judge somebody's works by their personal uh, qualities, although you can feel free to judge that person themselves based on that. I believe this to be true, but one of the examples I used was Foster Wallace voting for Reagan, which, of course, is a bad move on his part, but I have recently learned that it is far and away not the worst thing he ever did. Oh, Davy. Davy, 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 how you disappoint us so. Uh, yeah, so he was uh, an absolute fucking sex pest or romance pest, I guess, with particularly with this uh one woman uh the writer Mary Carr who is a s- sort of a literary uh giant in her own right so i would just i, I want to reiterate the point i stand by it that david foster wallace's writing exists separate to his personal life but i also do want to acknowledge that he may have been significantly more problematic than I was even giving him credit for with the Reagan thing. So his writing exists very separately from his personal life, is what we're saying. Yes. As separately as possible. Yes. Uh, Although there are ways in which Infinite Jest is supposed to be one of his many unwelcome and extreme romantic... uh, uh, What's the word that I'm searching for? Come on. Overtures. Overtures. Stratagems. Overture is exactly the word I was looking for. Thank you, Calculations. Um, so let's, moving on, uh, let's go to headlines straight away. I just wanted to make that clear. Clear as crystal, Kieran. Wonderful. Now let's, let's get away from it as quickly as possible. Yeah. See you, Wallace, you (laughs) dip. (laughs) You idiot, David. What's the uh, first headline, Darcy? In the news this week, China's growth forecasts have been rapidly downgraded. This story comes from Frank Tang, writing for the uh, Business Insider or published by The Business Insider, uh, which is the Australian The Business Insider, not one of the thousands of other ones. Yeah, kudos on them for picking a name that really stands out from the pack. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, look, you know, they're independent thinkers, these uh, finance journalists, if there's (laughs) one thing we've learned. (laughs) I don't know if Xi Jinping's going to be very distressed by this news, because it's a London-based research 
organization that's given him the downgrade. Ah, well, um, yeah. So these are the same economists who confidently predicted Sweden's economic ruination in 2007. Ah, yeah. So a fa- <laughs> well, the fantastic Ang- track The Anglo-Saxon record. model would continue to roll on to greatness. Um, and their main points are that the Chinese government still has too much involvement in the economy, mm-hmm. which is a strange uh a strange thing to focus on because they knew that was the fact under their previous high growth forecasting. Yeah, that they, doesn't seem like. I news assume to me. they were still hanging on to this idea that prosperity inevitably leads to liberalization and, and liberalism. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, China's. That's never been true in Chinese history at any point, I don't think. So I'm not sure why they'd think it would suddenly well, kick in. Yeah, they've uh, walked quite a different path, like, all the way back from their iterations of feudalism to now. So applying uh, Western liberal economic theory to it doesn't seem like the best approach. That in, seems like a stupid approach. Yeah, in your opinion, because... Oftentimes, people tend to take, like, economic reporting and business reporting as quite dry and objective, but, of course, there's actually quite a lot of uh, sort of agenda at work. There's no objectivity in economics, unless I'm talking about it, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, pretty yeah. much the way every economist sort of focuses on the, on the issue. <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah, my response as a relatively economically uneducated kind of prickly fucking individual is that that sounds like uh, propaganda based on the fear of this sort of rising socialist sentiment. It does sound a bit like propaganda. It certainly sounds like hope. Um, Mm. It's worth... Tang doesn't actually mention what this research institution... uh, what What it goes by. The moniker's not really brought up no oh, interesting the na- and the names of the economists aren't yeah, they're just known as a london-based research center and london-based researchers well now, that's some quality journalism generally speaking that would immediately flick my fake news mm. uh mm-hmm. switch and be like well rub it but business insider does have a pretty reasonable record for if not like you know reporting without distortion at least not making stuff up. I don't necessarily think it's fake news, but that trips some uh, alarms for me as well in terms of, like, Tang's journalistic... Oh, yeah. I mean... Bonafides. The main point in the article that presents um, any sort of potential credence is, is the fact that China, compared to its regional rivals, has far less friendly relationships with other major trading powers. Mm. So... Diplomatically, they might be onto something because China did kind of jump the gun with its regional assertiveness. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I can buy the uh, what's the the hypothesis. Definitely, I'm skeptical of the the framing, obviously, but yeah, I can buy the hypothesis. I'm pretty skeptical of any research coming out of the UK that isn't like actual science because all mm-hmm. of their policy publications for the past 40 years have been oh totally fine. massively disastrous for everyone on the planet yeah, yeah, yeah not just the british that's a good principle to live by i think so what does that mean for us here at home well it means that um you know if 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 these um london-based people are correct 
then both of our major political parties will, by the end of the next decade, have to have drastically reformed their foreign and trading policies. Uh, yes. Probably be focusing on, I guess, India, yeah, like the Asian subcontinent and Africa, I guess. Mm, yeah, definitely. It will be... Probably should be doing anyway. I mean, well, I, here's the thing. where Whatever form it takes, I think it's probably high time for Australian government to learn to move with these things because we've just had the kind of the peak and the start of the collapse of the mining boom, which was supposed to be... That was going to make us like the regional Switzerland into the middle of the 21st century. Yeah, right. So that's- it, it, it gave us like two tax cuts. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah, well, we pissed so I it. I didn't even get anything out of those. Pissed it right away. <laughs> so I was they, too poor to benefit from them. <laughs> they stole our fucking minerals and gave nothing back. Um, didn't even make water out of them. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, we, we squandered that. And to some extent, we've been squandering this, like, uniquely prosper- uh, prosperous relationship with China, trade relationship. I mean, it's been ticking along, but we haven't done anything remarkable or long-term with it. In fairness, I don't... I suspect Australia's views and suggestions are given less credence in Beijing than they're given in Washington. Like, I can't imagine where we're a useful place for them to... Party officials park their money here and... The Department of Agriculture uses us to top up their harvests. And apart from that, I really don't think they're very interested yeah, yeah, yeah. in No, us. no, no. We're the fucking king of beggars down here. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, you can fence your goods with me and I'll make sure they have free passage through the city. In that sense, we we are like the regional Switzerland. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just an economic throughput. We're just a bit worse at it because they know how to keep their heads down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking wish we could learn how to do that. Uh, All right, shall we move on? Yeah, move on. All right, my first headline is four headlines, uh, just because we've just had the bicentennial of Marx, and it's kicked up a little bit of a stink. Obviously, it's a very... uh, The moment, at the moment, in the... He was always controversial. He's he's very relevant, and uh, so his controversial status is at the forefront as we celebrate the 200 years of, I don't know, when, when he was born... Maybe late nineteenth century. So well, mid. No, he was born in the early mid nineteenth century. He started writing when he was in his four. Yeah, no, he was born. All right. Well, it's let's, the two hundred year anniversary of something relating 40s. to Marx. Yeah. Well, could you believe that I only just realised at that exact point that I hadn't looked up you what hadn't. that was? Anyway, we have uh, pro Marx headlines from Yusuf El Gingahi for the Independent. The world is ready for Marxism as capitalism reaches tipping point. And from Stuart Jeffries and The Guardian, two centuries on, Karl Marx feels more revolutionary than ever. And then the anti, uh, see if you're at all surprised by these publications. From USA Today, we have the very even-handed headline, Don't Celebrate Karl Marx, His Communism Has a Death Count in the Millions. Yep, good. And uh, I didn't write this down. That's from USA Today. That's just... Yeah, I think this was from the Herald Sun, maybe, or it might be fucking Bolt. It's just no happy 200th birthday, Karl Marx. No, which I love. He's dead. Yeah, which is a unique example of Andrew being correct about something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should celebrate that. Two hundred years of wrong journalism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! So I don't want to 
necessarily dwell on this, but it's worth talking about because, yeah, he he is relevant. More people are talking about Marxism today than they were 10 years ago. That's true. He's not more revolutionary than ever, though. That's bullshit. <laughs> no, no. I think you could argue that the actual revolutions uh, that took They're place were... Done. I don't think there'll yeah. be any more major communist revolutions. I think what's happening is his, his ideas, by which I mean, I guess, his critique of capitalism more than his solution to it. Because yeah. we'll forget he didn't actually give us the solution. He just gave us the critique. Mm, and a couple um, of, like, soft projections. With yeah, but he never way. finished writing. It was like a fifth of the way through Das Kapital when he popped his clogs. <laughs> God damn it. Write shorter books, people. Right, sure. I know how he feels, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're writing a comparable work. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm writing a piece of light entertainment, but I've been doing it since I was 18. Yeah, and a let's put later, it this way. We'll both be a not fifth of the well. way through our respective <laughs> yeah. books by the time we die. Um, um, but yeah, he's. Uh, what's happening is, as he kind of predicted, to, or more maybe... More maybe it was like a sort of cautious Engelian projection than mm. a than a Marxian projection. But it's not so much becoming revolutionary as becoming obvious. Yeah, becoming so well, never losing relevance, and now coming to the point where those problems are making themselves so clear that we don't have a choice to to bring him up in conversation. Uh, yeah, as so. like you know, the Communist Manifesto might possibly. That there was a prize in Hollywood for the uh, scene directions in a script that spent the most money in the fewest words, and I think mm. it's still held by the fleets came together. Ah. And I suspect the Communist Manifesto may have a comparable lefty prize for most trouble caused in the fewest <laughs> pages. It's yeah. not a very... It's a little pamphlet. Yeah, it's not that long. I remember studying it. Uh, in my re-education indoctrination process at the loony left educational institutions that we have the goal to call universities, uh, it's not that long and remarkably resonant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get a fucking clue, I guess. People, of course, the, the time is now to talk about socialist policy and stuff like that. It's no surprise that Marx is still re uh, relevant. And it's hilarious watching chuds, like, twist themselves into knots trying to to disabuse people of the impulse to celebrate him in a headline and a shitty little article. Yeah, I mean, he, he's up there with sort of you know, Machiavelli and, uh, mm. and, and, and kind of, well, just Machiavelli, really. But... It, a timeless writer, somebody whose work will always be relevant because they weren't looking at a particular mm. problem. They were looking at the way human beings relate to power relationships and act on them and how you can navigate them. And so as long as there's, you know, any kind of government work to be done, Machiavelli will always be relevant. Mm. And as long as there's any sort of power dynamics at play in society, which there always will be, Marx will always be relevant. Yeah. And as long as the streets are real... Machiavelli Ghost, aka as Tupac, will still be relevant. Another profound writer who was cut short. Yes, we're about all very a fifth of the way through the body of work that I he would doubtless have persistently given us. mourn the passing of Mr. Shaker. All right, <laughs> your head. No, it's my headline. It's your Fuck. headline. Oh, Jesus Christ! What a shit of a day. All right, so um, this is this is pertinent to our uh, to our next point of uh, of big juicy meaty topic. ScoMo's 
weird budget has achieved absolutely nothing. Bill Shorten need not have bothered getting on his hind legs and replying because uh, nobody in the Australian public for a second bought anything that the treasurer was trying to sell. What a surprise. He's still doing better than Joe Hockey because he hasn't angered anyone. Well, Joe Hockey, Joe Hockey's budget, uh, the notorious hockey budget, is like something that I hold very close to my heart because that was the moment that budgets became sort of relevant to conversation in the it was the worst the thing mainstream. ever. It was so fucking like insanely horrendous and bald faced. And Joe Hockey's budget was like the first time someone's child decides to make them dinner. Yeah, look at that proud, beaming smile on their stupid face. Yeah, mum and dad have to choke down this inedible what the fuck mess. Yeah, turds <laughs> stolen from the cat's litter tray or something. <laughs> oh man, it was definitely a waking up point for me. That one, it was yeah. like, oh fuck, all of this tedious budget horse shit is like. I mean, don't get relevant. me wrong. The the beautiful thing about hockey and Abbott is not that I thought this shit wasn't bubbling away in the Liberal Party and they didn't want to do it and they wouldn't find a way to do it. I just didn't think they were going to fucking publish it. Like, yeah. tell people about it. Yeah, exactly. They really mistimed yeah. the, the day by... Yeah, by 20 f- years. <laughs> like, missed the mark by 20 years. I think they could... Uh, I guess not. If that hadn't happened, could they have gotten away with that budget today in the wake of, like, Trump and shit and, and just this general idea that not you can since be the global Not since the global financial crisis happened mm. and the way that liberal governments around the world acted to protect the commercial interests of the financial sector. You can't start doing budgets like that. No. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. way. It's fair enough. It would be pretty... <laughs> Hard to imagine the reality in which that could get through. I've so, got literally $10 billion for the guys I went to school with, but sorry about your dying mother. We can't yeah. get her to Switzerland. Can't <laughs> even pay you a humane amount of money for giving up your job to take care of her. What are you, some sort of fucking... We can't... It's not the handout yeah. society. Is that... That was when if the didn't lifters and leaners shit That was the lifters and leaners piece. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is the most insane uh, for, image for to attach to that. Someone who's not passed a single day of productive work in his fucking life. Yeah, yeah. Only leaners. ever been a student or a party hack or a parliamentarian. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Uh, I'm glad he's not leaning directly on me, though. Oh, yeah. Who could stand the force? So, that makes what? Is that is that like 32 or 33 consecutive news polls that the libs have beefed now? 33, I think. Yeah. yeah. Fucking oath. It's, it warms my heart. That's obviously not having any effect it's on nice. their internal sort of leadership, because Turnbull early on said that he would this stand the down mark. if it was 30. In fairness, though, he sort of, he, even if he wanted to stand down, can't really. Like, who else no, is gonna- he absolutely can't, but that's what makes it such a delicious conundrum <laughs> to yeah. watch. Because- He's nailed himself to the mast. Not mm. his colours, not his trousers. He's literally nailed his own body to the mast of the ship. Yep. And now we get to watch it fucking splinter on the rocks. It's kind of glorious. How long do we have to wait until this next election? Another year or so? Or just under? 18 months. 18 months. Fuck. They usually do the budget 18 months out from the election. Yeah. There's a half election, a Senate half election or something. We've got some by-elections coming up because we've lost a bunch of our chaps to the dual citizenship thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
apparently have happening to have a British parent makes you more of a liability than taking tobacco company money or, you know, Jesus Christ being funded by the Tattersells organization. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's a, it's a quaint law from, from when there were about seven countries in the world and they were all enemies, you know, yeah. back in 1901. I, I get it back then. Yeah. 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 Well, when it was the queen and the Browns, that's like, and the French, that's <sighs> like the sort of scenario that they were working under. It's kind of, I mean, in terms of high theater and spectacle, I enjoy it, but it's, in terms of like the functioning of functioning of a country, it's obviously gotten ridiculously out of hand. Well, it's unfortunate because it's claimed some of the better parliamentarians and senators, yeah. and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think the idea that you come from a more cosmopolitan background, you mm. have a parent from abroad, makes you, I'd say, potentially more likely to be an appropriate representative for a multicultural 21st century country. You know, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, So yeah. it's a real shit. It's especially problematic that we've still got this well, stupid constitution. Didn't it kind of kick up as a real thing when that one solicitor was using it as a cudgel to get Ludlam out? Right? Yes. It was a classic yeah. conservative move. They um, decided they were going to do a poo in the bed to make Labour <laughs> roll out of it, and they accidentally rolled into it when they were trying to take Labour's vacated spot. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they stretched Backfired and massively for the Tories. Yeah. It still got a few scalps from Labour and the Greens. Well, but yeah, we lost Ludlam, who was like... It was funny how I many... enjoyed his presence a lot. It's good that he. I didn't have to watch him kill himself in office, which seemed like the inevitable conclusion before he was yeah, looks was forced to give up his seat. Scott but... was... He was pretty good compared to what we've gotten used to here. He was just a human, which yeah. is kind of refreshing. And understood the rudiments of how the IT sector works. Yeah. I would like to listen to his podcast... Does he have a podcast? I don't think so. I think he's uh, just well, kind of Scott, fucking eating Doritos. When you listen to this in your retirement village in 2060, start a podcast. Yeah, we'll listen to it. We'll listen to it in, from our neighbouring commune. Yeah, we'll... Oh, that's right. A bunch of them were from the National Party. I mean, that's funny. Yeah. That's genuinely funny when the <laughs> National Party turn out to be... Yeah, constitutionally yeah, yeah. In, insufficiently national to stand. It's too beautiful. <laughs> it really is. It's so fucking fantastic. What a world! All right, let's. All right, you tie up the headlines, Kieran. Along, so uh, Hillary Clinton came to Melbourne, our homestead, uh, to give a speech. Uh, tickets were, I think, two hundred dollars at a minimum. Fuck, she doesn't and, give uh, up, does she? <laughs> she <laughs> she's, does. She's not. worse than Tony Blair's Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember uh, Cherie? She was a fucking hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. She is... Clinton is a cut above, even, somehow. Uh, yeah, so, fucking... Jesus Christ. Uh, Helen Razor, for crikey, wrote a sort of review of it. Uh, the headline is, Hillary Clinton's religious, if nonsensical, performance to Melbourne's true believers. And so the overtone of this was... I think it was Clinton and Gillard were talking, and then... Lee Sales, maybe, was moderating or facilitating. She's a good choice there, yeah. Yeah, which is... Uh, fuck, maybe it wasn't her. I don't know. I should have read this again. Uh, Safe pair of hands, Lee. Recently. But uh, the point is that it was used primarily as a kind of celebration <laughs> of Clinton's efforts rather than any serious talk. Helen Razor found it discomforting the way that... Well, she's uh, very perceptive, Helen. 
Yeah, yeah. The way that the way that uh, Clinton deflected all criticisms under or using the shield of misogyny, which thorny patch uh, have to acknowledge. Yes, obviously Clinton faced massive sexism in her attempts, and obviously Gillard did in her uh, role as prime minister. However, to say that all policy criticisms of Clinton's platforms uh, were motivated by that is balderdash, obviously. And the troubling thing about this talk is that she used it to sabre-rattle about China's influence in Australia and essentially said that we need to be hyper-vigilant because agents from China are trying to influence our politics and policy and essentially setting them up as, like, our Russia. Yeah. I mean, she's not wrong they are doing that obviously because that's what countries do to each other yeah but that's no different that's to what the, the way americans do the to us. us has been doing what the british the world. have done to us when they've had the chance to yeah this is less than a decade after we discovered uh the u.s prism program in australia yeah. and all just kind of collectively went oh yeah and and less than a decade after we discovered that all of the um espionage apparatus the British gave us when we were part of the empire was set up to feed copies back to the British embassy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we live in a world of fucking political. Australia is used to being stooged. Essentially, we yes. know that we're stooges. Where we know how to roll with it. We don't need advice from Hill Dog, woman who couldn't bend in a fucking hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just I uh, fucking. This is just the classic uh, U.S. sort of center right. Uh, liberal move is to find a scapegoat, find a it's, fucking enemy. It's and- dangerous because this is how Trump gets his second term as well. Yeah, 100%. this is pretty much how he got his first term. This is going to be how he gets his second term. This mm. misogyny thing is essentially saying that America in 2016 was more racist than the UK was in 1979. There's fucking no way that's true. Mm more racist than Pakistan was when Bhutto was elected. Sexist? Sorry, yes, sexist. Although they... Oh, no. I mean... Pa- Pakistan could be more racist than the US. <laughs> but... Um, I think that's likely. Yeah. <laughs> it does mean land of the pure, after all. Mm, mm. <laughs> but... Troubling. You know, Pakistan's had a woman president. India's had a woman prime minister. The UK's had a woman prime minister. I'd, I'd argue that these countries... Mm. She was in conversation all, with an Australian woman prime had, minister. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say we have comparable levels of sexism to the US. Mm-hmm. And these the other three countries I mentioned were all far more sexist at the time those women were elected. Probably, and t- yeah. two of them are more sexist than America now, definitely India and Pakistan. Yeah. And um, it's not to say that sexism doesn't obviously still play a massive role in society and in politics towards female politicians. But, yeah, oh, Clinton's... Huge problems are multivarious and not fucking even remotely related to the fact that she's a woman. No, and being a woman is way less of a disadvantage than being Donald Trump. Like, mm. he's despised. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a good point. In America. Point. He's loathed he's by everyone man. who's met him, hates him. Yeah, <laughs> he's <laughs> maybe the most legitimate sort of storybook buffoon he is ever been in the um, public realm. And this is the US we're talking about, which has a long history of ridiculous cartoonish buffoons. But the Democrats are a bit like, I don't know, the process they're going through at the moment is a little bit like the first time I decided I need to stop smoking. 
and the excuses that an addicted brain comes up with mm. not to modify its behavior, despite the fact that it's completely financially unviable, like literally destroying my finances. Yeah. Also definitely going to cause me to die earlier. Mm-hmm. And is, is, is a rubbish drug that the only <laughs> thing tobacco gives you is it relieves it, your desire for it. It doesn't yeah, give you anything. Yep. Despite all of these things, the brain always found a way to be like, yeah, but I can't, it's not the right time, is yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to manage I'm gonna this transition. A, I'm going to have a shitty shift tonight. I'll need a packet mm. of cigarettes to get through that. You know, and then tomorrow there's- Quitting, quitting tobacco outright is unelectable, is what you tell yourself. Yeah. Because of all of these reasons. We can't just do it in the face of shift, and then tomorrow I have to go and see- my family and my aunt irritates me or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. And despite exactly the, the, the number thing. of specialists who say, no, you literally just have to stop. That's the only way you'll yeah. ever, I've if you keep having this product, you will continue to be addicted to it. You're like, yeah. yeah, but I mean, you would say that you've got a vested interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it just, it feels like exactly the same process that the yeah. Democrats are doing to, to when I was pretending I was in charge of my addiction. <laughs> <laughs> it is a uh, scarily accurate comparison there. This is a topic that I think maybe we should delve into in uh, more depth in a later episode. Definitely. This, uh, Cold War revivalism and refusal to pivot and like to deflect problems to other stuff. Yeah, but definitely. I, I would like to cap this off by saying that if the Russians' goal is to disrupt U.S. politics, which I'm perfectly willing to yeah. believe, there's no way this that they have done even a scaric as much damage as the Democratic Party itself managed to do. No, so even no way. Even believing that that's true, how is this the appropriate response to then go like, oh well, cool, now we're enemies? On a global scale. <laughs> Who doesn't love fucking the threat of thermonuclear demise looming over them? Let's get back into that fucking bucket of crabs. What idiots. Well, All right. It gave us a lot of very good comedy. Uh, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that a bit later on, but it's because time to now go we've to got the topic. budget special. The budget review. It occurred to me that uh, I didn't say this at the top of the episode. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say it now and then copy this segment to the top of the episode. It's a budget special episode. Budget, boo-wa-yay. Budget, boo-wa-yay. Yeah, and then it'll smash cut awkwardly to me talking about David Foster Wallace's <laughs> sexual monstrosity. He was a deviated prevert. Um, where, where are my notes? Uh, okay, so we're talking the... Jesus Christ. The Liberal government have released their latest budget... And predictably, because every time the, anybody in this country releases a budget, it's a shit show, but particularly the Liberal Party, they've given us a, a good series of ridiculous budgets. So we're here to talk about it. I've got a uh, kind of breakdown about some of the the salient points that people are talking about with a focus on this like insane sort of tax reform plan that they have. Uh, which is, I think, a seven-year plan, which is insanely ambitious for a that's government that's definitely going to be unelected within in 18 two months. Years. And that runs in three-year terms anyway. Yeah, Fuck. exactly. Very strange. But we'll we'll get to that. Okay, so 
Uh, here's some sort of boilerplate uh, right-wing horse shit. The defense budget is going to go up 80% over the next decade, from $32.4 billion to $58.7 billion by the 2025 to 26 financial year. That's, Keep Trump happy. Yeah, that's a huge increase. Uh, they've cut spending on homelessness. No surprise there. Uh, New Start is getting a lot of uh, attention in the press lately. That's our job seekers kind of doll welfare payment. Uh, it's been frozen for a long time now. Yeah. Uh, to the point now where you get $40 a day it averages out to, to live on. And so we've had the... the uh, Which is about an hour and a half um, working on the minimum wage. Yeah, yeah. It's Which not- is an illegal amount to be employed. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking... It's not much. But we've had the great experience of uh, getting to see some of these fucking ugh, vile politicians suggesting that they could live on $40 a day. So Michaela Cash talking about how, yeah, when she was a backpacker, she totally lived on $40 a day and she could do it again. Yeah, when she was on holiday. When sure. She, when she was on in holiday. In Southeast Asia. In Southeast Asia, <laughs> back in the day when oh, $40 fuck. went fucking probably before the new start phrase. The only thing I like about Michaela Cash is her hair. That's, oh, that's it's pretty remarkable. Comment, but her hair is amazing. That's true. It is it's forty years out of date, but it's incredible. But <laughs> yeah, everything else about her needs majesty. to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The problem is that you're really Jesus. robbed of nice things to say about her. You are because she's just a terrible person. In fairness, I don't think she's got a like long list of things she loves about herself either. To be honest, mm, mm, yeah, that seems accurate. So there's a bunch of uh, liberal politicians talking about how it's totally fine and pretty much everybody else saying how ridiculous it is to expect $40 a day to be a realistic amount. And we're talking after, you know, rent and utilities, you've basically burnt that $40 because housing prices have gone up uh, drastically since the freeze. Cost of living has gone up drastically. Energy prices have gone up drastically. Everything except wage growth has gone up drastically. And Start has gone up not at all. Well, yeah, so $40 today is fuck all. And it's gotten to the point where our the right honourable uh, John Howard, former Prime Minister, that mm. is sort of ensconced as this inexplicably revered figure in our culture. He's like our Reagan, out. isn't he? He's he our is, Reagan or our Thatcher. He's 100% our Reagan, yeah. Or our Thatcher, either one. He's a little late, you know. If well, I can- it's because Hawke <laughs> and Keating did all the impressive economic reform in the eighties, but they're from the Labour Party. So yeah, the, so we can't the reveal Tories them. can't go for that. Yeah, we have Tories. to hold up the strange <laughs> goblin that rode in on the <laughs> fucking oh, mining God, wave. If Reagan buggered Michael Gove. The thing that hatched out of the egg would be John Howard. A hundred percent. He's a profoundly strange-looking fellow. If you don't know what he looks like, go and check him out. With the so eyebrows of Christopher. He's he's come out and said that the that New Start should probably be unfrozen. And yeah. I expected this to be a kind of uh, Fraser-style smackdown of the current uh, government. But when I saw the actual footage, it's just a confused old man sitting on a couch being like, Oh, yeah, I think there is some argument to be... Ha- I can't do a John Howard voice, which I've just learnt along at the same time as you, dear Wasn't listeners. Wasn't as bad 
as mine would have been. Yeah, anyway, he's just fucking confused, and somebody asks him a question, and he's, like, almost surprised by- he thinks about it for a second, he lets the guard slip and allows himself to think, and he's like, oh, fuck, yeah, it has been a while. Um, Oh, did I leave that on? Shit. Yeah, no, unfreeze that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Christ, you've all just been letting it stay there? Do I have to tell you everything? Yes, John, you do have to tell them everything, even ten years long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's happening. That's part of this stupid budget. Uh, the ABC, our public broadcaster, has had its budget frozen, which is uh, effectively- Frozen a, means cut. Yeah, a cut of $84 million. Uh, and what's kind of nice about this story is, is this this is getting paired with the new expenditure of the Captain Cook- uh, 250 year memorial celebration thing, yeah, which involves a few stunning elements. There, Scomo referred to that as the coming together of cultures. Oh, yeah, that's what that is for sure. In the same way that it was the first time around when yeah. we came together, because you know, a boot stepping on a face does imply physical contact. That's right, and yeah. therefore proximity. A baseball bat to the back of the head is a coming together of sporting enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible to deny. So this insane celebration like involves firstly like renovating uh the amenities at a park or whatever, which isn't that crazy. That pro- maybe would have happened anyway. Yeah. But it also involves setting our replica of the HMS Endeavor on a voyage which it won't survive. <laughs> yeah. Why 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 is that an important thing to do? Just sail it out of view of the people and then sail it back in two weeks. Or Nobody's leave it in the harbour because it. it's a tourist draw. Yeah, or fucking sink it and for Christ's sake. The moment's here. Don't to do that. send your tourism draws away from the country. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very good point. I don't think there's a problem having Stuff about Cook's arrival, having the the endeavor there is not a problem per se, and it is profitable. Yeah, but to then just uh, choosing this instance, ones. this moment when we're discussing Indigenous constitutional acknowledgement, mm-hmm. when we're reviewing wholesale the entire legacy of European settlement and Co- uh, and and colonial <clears throat> occupation of this c- yeah. country and globally like- to just spend. Mm. Ha, 48 millions <laughs> on a statue to the man who was directly responsible for all of it in it's, your own constituency. Yeah, it's profoundly misguided. <laughs> it's insane. To, to, These to people, as charitable as possible. I just, they, they're not actually evil, the Tories here. They're just thick. They're, they're just really dumb. stupid people. Dumb as rocks. Which looks a lot like evil. It really does, but they're not. They're just Fucking yeah. idiots. What is it? Is it Hanlon's razor that's like never attribute to malevolence what you can attribute to stupidity? That is, yeah, which is, it's an adaptation of Occam's, which is just basically all things being equal go with the obvious explanation or yeah. the simplest explanation. Yeah. Well, they're making it painfully obvious that stupidity is their primary trait. Yeah. And, and that we're going to need to take a lot of different kinds of razors to them in the near future. Yeah. If this were a, I think we've talked about this analogy before, if this were like a D&D style RPG system, then the Liberals' racial trait would just be straight flat minus 10 to intelligence yeah. across the board. Plus 10 gold, minus 10 to intelligence. <laughs> you two <Yeah>. are racists. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
so and the capstone to this insane Captain Cook celebration is a statue of yeah. Captain Cook because statues have been getting a lot of good press because one was just defaced in the same park yeah by presumably some some um, young indigenous people who took exception to being constantly reminded yeah yeah so they undertook it uh, to do a little bit of good civil disobedience and the response is to build another statue uh, I don't know if it's in the same place uh, I think the park where the statue is is the one that's getting renovated but this statue is allegedly going into Guess whose electorate? It's going into ScoMo's electorate. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 100%. and it's and it's going to be an absolute um, lavish. Oh yeah, spectacle. It's going to be gross. Yeah, gross is the, the only the way first to statue. It. The initial Cook statue would have cost maybe sixteen thousand, and most of that yeah, would have been fairly... just paying the sculptor for the time it takes to yeah. make the dancing. It's a boilerplate dumb colonial yeah. statue so this thing getting its share of the 48 million fucking what is it going to be i'm it's hoping like, it's going to be like kamini's mausoleum or something yeah. part <laughs> of <laughs> it was <laughs> to face this <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 can see it from space Part of me wonders if ScoMo got this idea from the gigantic Marx statue that they've they've put up in uh, Germany, which is like quite quite awesome. It's Ooh. like roughly hewn. It's gigantic. It looks pretty cool. Possibly, except that would mean that would mean accepting a, an idea from Europe. Which- yeah, but I, I I reckon he would get that idea and be like, all right, if they want to put up a statue of this this lifter, no, Lena. Sorry, it's hard to fucking wrap your head around such a dumb analogy uh <laughs> it's if they can do a statue of this idiot let's do our own statue of our own hero and it's uh, my hope is that it's going to be a big like kaiju style imposing fucking i don't know if anybody's seen shin godzilla uh but where godzilla is frozen above tokyo at the end of the movie i just want that but captain cook looming large the colossus of fucking roads reborn as yeah I think there 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 is a there is there's a way to accommodate this bullshit if you if you insist which is not you if mm. if Scott ex- insists the royal which you. is we have a we have a, a a tremendous gigantic monument to Captain Cook because he is an important part of Australia's history um but with sufficient screen projection for um people to project you know, information and imagery about the proving grounds and the massacres and the, you know, yeah. footage of indigenous artifacts currently being destroyed by BHP's trucks mm. as they try to get to beautiful clean coal that nobody wants to buy from us and is <laughs> I don't know the fuck stock China stockpiling it as a favor I don't Maybe. know I don't know but. It'll we be can like- do it. We can have a tribute to Cook, though. We have to have one to his victims, and they have to be in the same spot. Yeah, I think uh, they should build a slightly bigger statue of an Aboriginal person just giving that Captain Cook statue the finger. They could do that. I'd be kind of all right with that. It doesn't have the same level of gravitas I was thinking, Kieran, but it would uh, be yeah, effective. No. It would I- be effective. Would you rent out uh, rights to this projector screen to uh, Indigenous people? Yeah. Sort of like democratic rotation of info? More like Indigenous organisations. Yeah, that could be a way to do it. 
Does that way you 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 get around just the idea of anybody using it for whatever they want? Mm. Although I guess it's in a public park. If it's it shouldn't be that much of a problem. But yeah, well, yeah. Do you hear us, uh, liberals? We're giving you a chance at reconciliation and a fucking projector. And stop no platforming that's... Aborigines, you snowflakes. Mm. Mm. Well said. Yeah. And it's cheap. This Darcy's uh, proposition is cheap. Much fucking cheaper than a yeah, grotesque monument. Yeah, well, if you've already monument. spent 48 million fucking dollars, you may as well <laughs> pop up a projector screen or something. Yeah. Yeah. You cunts. So, uh, I don't, I don't want to get too sidetracked by no. that monstrosity. Let's talk about the m- grim march towards a flat tax system. Yeah. Which, which constitutes this uh, tax reform. So... There is, I'm getting this info from the ABC's breakdown of it because uh, obviously they're somewhat partisan in this thing, having recently had $84 million cut from their budget. Yeah, but uh, Guthrie's still a, she's a loyal soldier, she is. isn't she? Anyway, but the person who wrote this uh, breakdown wasn't interested in being biased, but they were interested in being uncompromising and comprehensive about it. So, Good. Uh, the tax reform plan is three phases uh, over seven years. And the first phase is to widen the 37% tax threshold, uh, like upper barrier to 90k a year from, it's like 80 something at the moment, I think. Uh, and then introduce an offset for low and middle income earners that gets tacked onto their tax refund. Um, so people earning up to no people earning exactly ninety thousand get six hundred and sixty five extra dollars a year, and people earning up to thirty five thousand get two hundred dollars a year. I mean, you know, not not too terrible. It's not fucking what they should be doing, which is concentrating on high-income earner taxation and corporate taxation or fixing any of the problems in our current economic system, but it does involve some money going to low-income earners. A little bit. $200 a year. Yeah, it's a completely negligible amount of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they may as well have not bothered. It's definitely misidentifying the problem. Uh, But things get interesting when we get into phase two. Uh, which is uh, changing the 32.5% entry threshold. So to enter into the 32.5 cents on the dollar uh, tax bracket, that will move from 37,000 a year to 41,000 a year. And then that 37% threshold will move from 90K up to 120K. So effectively widening the uh, 32.5% bracket pretty significantly so that fewer people anybody for who used to be on between 90 and 120k will drop down a tax bracket um so under this plan if you earn $120,000 you get $2,000 extra dollars off your tax if you earn 50 to 90k aka a middle income earner roughly you get $10 that's $10 as compared to 2000 for uh, up to uh, for around 120k and there's no change if you earn less than 35000 so you get taxed just as much so already you can see that just in phase 2 it's designed to reward high income earners and to give nothing back to 
uh, low income earners. And then phase three, who the fuck knows when that uh, comes into, but it widens the 32.5% bracket from 40 to, to 41,000 to 200,000, meaning that uh, everybody from 87,000 to 200,000 now who would be in a higher bracket would be in that 32.5% bracket. Uh, so if they were, uh, I didn't explain that very well today. If you earn over 180 K you're getting taxed 45 cents on the dollar for every dollar above that threshold. Yep. Uh, and then the 37 cents on the dollar bracket is also those two brackets just get bundled into the fucking 32.5, uh, cents on the dollar, which means that if you're earning $200,000 or up, you get 7,000 extra dollars off your tax. In under phase three, which means that people will be paying nearly $10,000 less in tax if they earn over fucking $200,000 under the phase three. But presumably, um, um, they'll be they'll be balancing this out by closing up some of the more egregious loopholes in the taxation system that allow these uh, income earners to oh, yeah, get I have- taxed as if they bring in, say, 30 grand a year. This is part of what they say the plan is. It's to stop people from incorporating and, and doing trusts and all of that shit. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, people are fundamentally honest. They want to pay the right tax when they're a high-income earner. They just don't want to pay too much tax, because why should they be punished for bringing their greater talents to the world? If you can't tell from my voice, I'm being sarcastic. It's all well and good to say, Darcy, you still earn... 500 grand a year after tax. Why do you need? Why do you need any more than that? Yeah. Because you're confiscating it from me and it's punishing me and it's not fair. Yeah, taxation is theft. Why should I have to pay as... This is... All right, so this fucking canard keeps coming up that when people are like, oh, but the top 90% of taxpayers pay over 60% of the tax. Yeah, but they have they, over 60% of the fucking wealth as well. Well, th- this is the thing. They say that as though taxation is unfair and it's punishing them, but... And, and so their solution is to cut tax so that yeah. they're paying less tax. But obviously, if that's the case, what you should be angling for is a more equitable society where the money is more evenly distributed... And so, therefore, the tax is more evenly distributed as well. But, of course, this isn't something that they're interested in. They want to keep their fucking gigantic buckets of wealth, and they want to pay pay less tax. Uh, I, I've looked at a bit of analysis of this, and even the... I mean, there are a couple of people like Matthew O'Donnell who are, like, all for it because they... And they break up... You can tell if somebody breaks out a rhetorical question, like, why should they be punished for bringing extra talent to the talent pool, Mm. uh, that they're not a particularly fucking good expert opinion to trust. They're leaning on rhetoric instead of analysis, but... No, that's, like, that's IPA rubbish. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy (laughs) is from the IPA. There you go. Just, (laughs) Just like the... Oh, actually, maybe... The Institute for Princely Affairs. Yeah, I did did read something from an IPA guy. I'm not sure if it was him or not, but he's the same breed. Um, But even, like, even the people who were mildly pro this were like, well, it'll help spending in the first phase a little bit because poor people will have more money that they need to spend 100% of to stay afloat. Well, that is true. But even those people were just like, but the negatives far outweigh the positives. Yeah. So, nobody thinks it's a good idea. The Grattan Institute says it's going to cost 
$21 billion a year, every year, to remove the 37 cents on the dollar bracket, which is the eventual goal. Just... Just on the tax reform, that much money lost. Just on that part of the tax reform, just removing the 37 cents on the on the dollar bracket. Oh my god. Which is such a huge hole to introduce in perpetuity. Yeah. That it's completely fucking unjustifiable. And of course all of the like phase two and phase three plans are like uncosted and fuzzy and shit. It's a it blows my mind that they even put them put them forward. This is goes back to what you were saying about hockey's budget. Like I can't believe that they published this. Yeah. When it's Yeah, it's, it's but but this is what really keeps guiding my thinking around the idea that these people aren't evil. They're just thick. Yeah. They literally just do not understand that those are the thoughts and intentions of of wicked soulless human beings. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, I think that they are fucking pretty Evil's not the right word, but they're pretty malevolent or well, whatever. Like, but they Peter are... Dutton is evil. Oh, yeah. Malcolm Turnbull is weak, vain, and malleable. Mm. But ScoMo just seems like a beefhead. Like, he's just... He's fucking uh, Ray Liotta's character from Goodfellas. He just... All, <laughs> all he ever wanted was to be respected. And he's he's trying to set himself up as a big fucking ambitious, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the money man. Yeah, but he's a fucking yeah. He's a lunatic and a moron, and uh, I mean that's the that's the basics of the tax the tax thing. Essentially, they want to broaden the thirty two point five cent bracket so that it's everywhere from fucking what was it like fucking forty one k to two hundred k, which is such a gigantic fucking tax bracket. Yeah, so needlessly huge that it would enca- encapsulate it encapsulates something like. Uh, 70% of taxpayers or something, maybe more, I I, re- I recall seeing. Didn't write that figure down because I'm not that rigorous or disciplined. But, uh, yeah, that's the long and the short of it. I don't know if you have anything to add to this other than just, like, what a surprise that they fucked it up again. I don't have a huge amount to add to it. I, I think partly if you want to put your sort of understanding hat on or your devil's advocate's horns on... Mm. The thing that's really important to remember about the coalition is that they have got more facets and factions running rampant in their ranks at the moment. A fly with its thousand eyes could not keep track yeah. of the different factions and ideologies and arguments happening in the Liberal Party at the moment. That's and, very true. And then you bring the nationals in as well. Yeah. Hugely fractured. This is basically this this budget. If you look at it charitably, it's pretty much Turnbull and Morrison have sat down and said, "Okay, what can we actually do that will not result in there being no more coalition?" Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How can we? What's the most efficient way to end this waking night? The only thing that all the factions agree on is tax cuts and defence expenses. So yeah, do that. That's all we can do. Yeah, that is it. That's all they can do. So let's talk about uh, the reply, Labor's reply. The budget reply from Labor isn't very good. Um, That surprises me. (laughs) They're normally so vital and uh, and present. This is basically um, Bill Shorten 
puts on a what did I say for the right wing of the party put on a red dress and for the, for the evening and try to sort of pass <laughs> off as <laughs> yep. part of the labor a beautiful labor faction basically bills points come down to the fact that the uh the coalition are looking at saving um the the, the struggling people in Australia 10 dollars a week with their mm-hmm. with their tax cuts returns and savings and so on mm-hmm. and he re- he reiterates the 10 dollars a week point as he goes through as a speech is quite good as he goes through mm-hmm. and explains what they're chiseling off the safety net you know that yeah. they're closing school- TAFE down, that they're slashing um, millions from hospitals, uh-huh. billions from schools, uh-huh. that they're throwing billions of dollars at uh, multinational companies, yep. some of whom have quite publicly explained that they have no intention of Absolutely paying tax none anyway. Absolutely whatsoever, yeah. <laughs> Bless them for that. See, the Liberal Party mistakes itself for one of those corporations that can just come out and be like, yeah, we're not going to do it, and you can't make us do it. <laughs> but unfortunately... We'll take the jobs. <laughs> Don't make us take the jobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're entrenched enough now that we can let you know that you're in a ransom situation, and people will eat it up. But, uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, essentially... What does the LC? Oh yeah, um, chiseling fourteen dollars a week, or oh sorry, a fortnight off uh, pensioners' um, payment plans and so forth, Wonderful. which is disgusting. Um, yeah. yeah. So what 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 does he actually say when he gets around to uh, to highlighting what Labor's going to do? Well, the red dress shows off a, a fairly attractive um, outline, at least. Okay. Right. We've got. Let's ride this analogy as far as we can. <laughs> Shut up. We've got a return to um, enterprise bargaining. Uh. Yeah. Yep. That's very important, actually. In fairness to him. Well, yeah, it's important to fucking keep maintaining and reiterating this industrial relations shit because our country is always sliding towards basically the the last nadir was Howard's. Uh, work choices, horseshit, oh which was supposed God, to be... I forgot about work choices. Yeah, was... it was supposed to be free negotiation between workers and their employers, but what that meant, in effect... Free negotiation that... between a man with a gun and a man without a gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Employers saying, well, what we're going to do is give you all of the responsibilities of this position and none of the benefits, and we're f- you're free to disagree and not sign this, and we're free to stop giving you work. It has to be industry... Um, bargaining, like you've yeah. got to have, you've just got, you've just got to have it. It's, yeah. it's it's insane to suggest that. And to the country's credit, they really did react pretty badly to work choices. Like, yeah, were, was it was people... the step too far, wasn't it? Yeah, although really probably unseated Howard in the end. Legacy wise, his reputation has suffered more from the GST. Yeah, yeah, there are other things that. Not there, not but... work choices or Iraq or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So, enterprise bargaining is very, very nice. Everything else is essentially just um, Australian talk, mm. just some awkward, just fair dinkum, fair go. 
tax cut for middle class and working class. How about a tax cut for? He's still doing tax cuts, but it's like how yeah. about how about these guys? How about my guys get a fucking fair income tax cut? Yeah, I did read that that he was like, we will do double the tax cut of the Turnbull government's yeah, first which phase of tax. Kind of worries me because that's pretty much how Ed Miliband lost to David Cameron was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just be like, tax cuts, That's but- That's not a Tory. This is a Tory. <laughs> <laughs> a Tory for the people. Somehow a configuration that never seems to work out. David Cameron just stood there blinking slowly, thinking, has he just- Thanks, mm. Ed. You're a fucking diamond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I fucked animals smarter than this. <laughs> yes, he had. Uh, Yeah. I, I I heard a couple of like little things, but these are kind of third third hand. I heard that uh, part of the reply was to cut quite a lot from TAFE fees uh, to deepen the tax cuts yes. for low to middle income earners, and to commit twenty five million dollars for corporate crime investigation. That's right. Those they were the are only three points that I could. They are planning all of those things with TAFE. In fact, what he's suggesting is, it, in addition to making TAFE more affordable for certain key um, vocations like Mm. old age care, carpentry, uh, jobs that we do have serious skill shortages in, or at least workforce participation shortages in. Mm. He's saying, he's suggesting that the government will upfront those costs until those shortages have been filled. Yeah. This is is why mm. I say it's, it's clearly a right, faction labor thing yeah. because all yeah. promises are caveated and conditioned and yeah yeah there's no desire to really change the structure of things how it, how things are going absolutely no desire it's- to change well because it's it's hawk and keating are you know the, the, as, as the clintons are to the democrats and as the 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 reagans are to the republicans mm. the hawk and keating are to the right faction of labor yeah they would not touch that legacy if it meant death. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm very much a fan of uh, TAFE, so I'm like, oh, it's better in- than TAFE's. More important than university. University is a wank. No, no offense, Kieran. Yes, I, <laughs> I mean not, I agree. I'm currently employed by a university, but TAFE's my. Uh, I've not. I haven't finished a single degree. Mm. They wanted me to present an A3 poster about coal policy with three other adults. Mm. This was in the second year of a course. Yeah. You couldn't Fuck off. just play the game. It no, does become pretty I exhausting. Not for, f- what, $400 a fucking hour or whatever the heck's yeah, the, uh, the payment is. The trick with university is to just get past that undergrad hump and then they start giving you uh, oh. the opportunity to pursue your own projects. That said, I'm not here to defend university. I'm here to defend TAFE. Uh, yeah. After Close just, the just universities and open mm. more TAFEs. Just recently when we had a whole bunch of cuts to quote-unquote lifestyle choice TAFE courses, which essentially meant the closure of most of them, uh, among those were like crystal healing courses and stuff that I couldn't really give a fuck about in terms of governmental funding. Uh, But then, of course, the arts was lumped into that. So a lot of writing and visual arts and uh, music courses got funding drastically cut and many of them closed down. And the this was a Trojan horse for things like uh, Aboriginal social work and like uh, child social work and stuff like that to 
well, it also was, it, have their yeah. funding cut. As of course, that's a lifestyle choice to intercede on behalf of abused children is fundamentally a choice in the style of your life, and so it must be cut. They don't trust these uh, sectors because they're not what they perceive as being traditional businesses. Yeah, it's the... And so why should we mm. be funding you if you're not creating wealth, except that if you want a 21st century service industries economy, mm. the arts are a massive, massive Oh, yeah, the arts industry. industry is fucking gigantic. Hollywood's not a charity. No, <laughs> it's a multi-billion dollar industry. We have more foot traffic through our galleries than our sports stadiums. But, of yeah. course, it's just easy in the uh, ideology to, or in the, in the discourse of the times, it's easy to kind of hand wave that shit as unprofitable, fruity nonsense. Mm. Which, yeah, of course, they couldn't be more wrong about that. Um, no, they couldn't. But it's also, it lets them hit the, the, the elites with a stick, mm. um, which is nice. Well, yeah. It would be good if they actually fucking uh, turned any of this. You, you and I live in homes that we literally, like, can't heat because they're <laughs> so cheaply built and ill-maintained. Yeah, this room was, what, boiling Ill- hot three weeks ago, and <laughs> yeah. now it's, like, quite freezing, and, that, and there's just no solution to that. Well, a man- I'm dressed like a fucking survivalist <laughs> conspiracy theorist right now. A man is, like, puking up Bollinger- off mm. his balcony straight into Sydney Harbour is calling us elites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. Even as he commits to meet the government's $200 million pledge to the Royal Ballet or some <laughs> shit like that, which never gets fucking touched, the opera and the ballet always no, of course get more not. funding. Yes, Minister had a fantastic episode called The Middle Class Ripoff about the way these subsidies are allocated. Mm. And I just needs to be called that the middle class ripoff, basically. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. Um, I don't know. There was some broader point that I tangented off about fucking four sentences sentences ago. So uh, look, I'm not sure I guess I going, but. It, this budget reply, uh, labor. Oh, yes, the budget la- labor. And the, <laughs> the coalition and labor have the same margins of it's a four percent margin in labor's favor going into this next uh, news poll round, whatever you call them. Mm. But... Uh, I'm not sure. Whatever. doesn't really matter. The, the next After the last news poll, there we go, 4% yeah. margin in Labor's favour. Bill Shorten is somehow still doing worse as a preferred Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah. This is... Uh, we're supposed to live in a fucking representative democracy where the leader of the party represents just a sign of uh, a fucking knife point that the party can gather around, and yet these people still won't... Well, it, relinquish their hold. In, in Labour, the party, and in fact, in the Liberals, the party leader represents the the least painful factional compromise, basically, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so it's never going to be what you actually want. Well, not never, just under, under the current way they're doing. In the past, it's been mm. different. Well, yeah. You, you know, these parties have both had leaders in the past who um, were able to f- run the, the lead the parties. Yeah. <laughs> And they were that that spear tip you were talking about, but yeah. it's just I think it's indicative of the uh, of the current crop that that that's not happening. Yeah, but essentially it's the same story as usual. The Labour Party are still across the board better than the coalition government, yes. but if you're looking for a sort any sort of substantial systematic change, 
then this budget reply is useless to bitterly disappointing. Yeah, as always, it's it's just it's better, but it's not different. Yeah, I mean that's in that sense. That's I mean that's the the way that this reflects. Just as the leaders are always uh, the result of the least painful uh, factional compromise, so too is the entirety of Australia a disappointing compromise between what you would like to happen and like getting eaten by the rich. Yeah, we've always been though. This is true. I think when when old um, was it Trotsky or possibly. Lenin. I'm going to go ahead one and of those warn ones. you that I'm not going to be able to tell you which one. In the early 20th century, mm. um, shortly after its inauguration, actually, the Labour Party had managed to take control of all of the state governments and mm. the federal government of Australia, mm-hmm. which uh, happened again in 2007. Mm-hmm. And the Rudd slide. Lenin or Trotsky's point was pretty much... In- summed up the Labour Party and Australia perfectly. He said, in one country in the world has the uh, party of the proletariat seized every organ of state in in which it could contest, Mm. Uh, and and it has made absolutely no impression whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, from the fucking man himself, or the other man himself, depending on which man himself (laughs) it was. It was one of the men themselves it was probably neither of those men it was probably just some bloke on a yeah. blog it was probably fucking not, gough whitlam i was given a misattribute probably was gough whitlam <laughs> yeah or beasley or something do you think we can do you think we can make gough or beasley have another crack somehow? fuck i would love to i mean it's gonna be pretty fucking tough with gough mate but uh we can fuck that might be the first time i've ever said mate just freely without <laughs> yeah. it being a Little cynical device or anything yeah yeah uh, i'll tell i'll tell kim there's a donor kebab in the speaker's chair yeah. and we'll get him back <laughs> into parliament yeah if we could just give him a jolt that just would be l- welcome i mean what we really need to do is empower fucking albanese to become more than just parliamentary muscle and step into what yeah. he clearly wants to do which is to be a hardcore proletarian uh union bruiser he's a fan of the pogues I, I, I'd like to get Elbow and Plibs um, yeah. in there, definitely. I think they'd be great together. Sure. It's never going to fucking happen, but that's... I mean, at least the answer is there. At well, least there's a I mean, clear I mean, step I, for us to take. Granted, like, Jeremy Corbyn... I have to keep reminding you, he hasn't actually happened yet, guys. Like, just, Yeah, that's true. Still, that's very true. Still a slow train with Jez. But he was never <laughs> supposed to have done anything, like... Mm. You know, that's if 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 Jezza can do it, I reckon Elbow can do it. That's true. If Jezza, fuck, things could change. This is this is what's killing me because this is the final hope. This is reconciling with the absent father when you turn eighteen and you think he's actually going to come and he disappoints you again and just doesn't show up on your birthday. I yeah. have a very present father. That's not an analogy from my life. My, I would just say it seems strange that the whole world is watching this Terry Pratchett yeah. character sort yeah. of, who's sort of accidentally become the great revolutionary hope of yeah, all he mankind. Is. He's 100% <laughs> a fucking character from a Terry Pratchett one-shot that yeah. just takes over some... I suppose in many respects, Jeremy Corbyn's a bit like Jesus, isn't he? Oh, Jezza. Jesus. Jesus. I've... Just From now on, we're calling it. him the Naz. That's it. The Naz. Jezza the Naz. Jezza the Naz sounds filthy. Uh, we're at 110. We should probably call that a 
wrap or do you have more no i have nothing else to say about labor's budget reply it was boring yeah the whole (laughs) thing is a fucking tedious slog as always but you know keep it pessimistic i guess everybody oh look fewer pensioners will freeze over winter or starve if you vote for labor so vote for labor yeah definitely vote for labor or the greens or whatever preference labor above the liberals definitely always Always in 100%. Red over blue every Mm. time. Mm. And then maybe, who knows, in 10 years when Jezza has fucking hoisted Britain up and Robo Sanders is running roughshod across the chuds of the USA, we might have a shot at a guy who's like, yeah, to some of our ideas. I'd like to see Corbyn's Britain. I'm imagining a Cuba Mm. without the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, I mean... (laughs) That'll be really interesting to analyse which one collapses first, like instead, hell. <laughs> instead of sought after cigars, it'll be elderberry jam or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck, the embargo that nobody noticed. <laughs> All right, that's us. It's Weakness. Uh, we'll see you next time. Go away. Time. Talk shit, man.